0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ball Things Considered BTC Pod. My name is Michael Castello, and here with me is another BTC member, Sean Bush.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, what's going on, Michael?
0: Not too much. I'm pretty excited. Woke up, did a hand spring out of bed because today is Wednesday, September 30th, the first day of the NBA Finals.
1: Finals day, baby. And, uh, that means I'm gonna get to see uh, Dirk Nowitzki on my television again, so I'm very excited. You'll be in the uh, the virtual crowd with some other, like not nearly as accomplished NBA players, but um, yeah, very excited. Is that
0: is that a real thing, or are you yeah, just? It's,
1: at, it's it's actually sick. Uh, I I don't have the list in front of me right now, but it's like they're having uh, behind one of the baskets, like all the seats are gonna be taken by like. Uh, People zooming in will be like Dirk, Wade, Dr. J, Magic, um, yeah, Shaq. It's like, it's like yeah. 20 names, like Paul Pierce, and they're just all going to be like right behind. It should be really funny, honestly.
0: You got to show a ring to get your entrance at the door? That's crazy. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did not hear make, about this. I'm looking forward to Chuck that the broadcast. I'm watching
1: the booth, yeah.
0: <laughs> Poor guy, so lonely and cold wow that's uh, cool
1: yeah i'm actually pretty excited I'm, I'm guessing that's something they're gonna do every game it'll just keep shuffling pu- yeah. uh, like kind of new legends in so it should be pretty fun
0: yeah no it's gonna be awesome i figure they give like magic and d wade like front row seats yeah so pat riley is at the games right because they always uh, cut to him with a mask on
1: yeah. Yeah, okay. I I believe he's he's at the games. Um,
0: so, Rob Polink is at the games. Magic's not in the bubble, is he? mm mm Okay.
1: No, cuz I mean, he's not a he's not a team employee anymore, so I don't think he would be
0: uh, right. allowed
1: to be in the bubble.
0: Yeah, is I don't think Genie is in the bubble. Like it's been however many months and I'm still like figuring out or learning all these things for the first time.
1: Yeah. And honestly, it's like it's easy for me to forget sometimes like that they've been stuck in the same place this entire time, not able to leave or do yeah. anything. Um, I like almost forget that they're in a bubble at all. Cause mm-hmm. I just got used to like watching the basketball and I kind of forgot about yeah. the bubble side of things. Um, but, uh, you hear these interviews from like LeBron saying, you know, and all these guys saying how, how difficult it's been and, uh, I was listening to Jeff Van Gundy talk the other day and it sounds like he's just about ready to, uh, to get out too. So, mm-hmm. um, has gotta be taking a toll on these guys, um, after all this time.
0: Yeah, dude. One thing I heard yesterday was, uh, Anthony Davis said that LeBron sleeps more than anyone he knows. And then like right after that, people are talking about LeBron. Apparently he came back and talks about sleep all the time and he tries to sleep 12 hours a day. So I was just 12. thinking, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> God. So that just, is
0: so admirable. I was just thinking about like yeah, like this dude's 35. <laughs> like that might just be being 35 mixed with being a parent of however many kids and being in the spotlight nonstop that I'm sure the bubble has been like the best sleep like since he left Akron like as an 18-year-old.
1: Yeah, no no travel. I mean, yeah. You know, he's probably never been like in one hotel or one place that long since like you said since Akron. seriously yeah
0: that's um, a good point
1: this is so this has got to be a huge because yeah. even in the offseason like when you're LeBron James there's you've got to be traveling constantly I mean yeah, you're probably making multiple homes yeah yeah you're making constant appearances you're going on trips you're working on movies um so this is probably a a really kind of rare opportunity just for his his body even though he's Mm -hmm. in the middle of a of a playoffs uh just to kind of get into a routine sleeping schedule and uh and kind of like be able to go back to the same place in the same bed every night uh uh,
0: all right so you want to just jump right into it yeah let's do it man man. okay so the reason that i wanted you on this pod is because i want to talk x's and o's for the finals So, we all know about the heat zone. Like, that was the storyline of them in the conference finals beating the Celtics in six games, Mm -hmm. which you don't see a lot of zone. You see it more in the playoffs as you figure opponents out and try to make the chess moves being a step ahead. But, like, zone has always been more of a college thing. But the heat, like, dismantled the Celtics with it.
1: Yeah. Um, So, I expect to see more. It's interesting... Um, and it'll, it's it's really interesting in terms of the series, and I mean this is it's a deep cut, and obviously, uh, being the the resident Mavs guy, I have to make it. But uh, like, part of the big reason the Mavs won in 2011 against LeBron was because Carlisle utilized the zone, and it was kind of crazy at the time because no one was using zone. Um, and I actually I may just be making this up, but I think I remember hearing during a game early in the year that. This season, NBA teams have used more zone than like ever before in just decades. Um, so there has to be something to it, and maybe it's something with reacting to certain lineups uh, with the way the with the way offenses work now. Maybe you you think if certain players on the floor, you can dare them to shoot certain shots, and, and it'll work. Um, but you're absolutely right; it's been huge for them. And uh, it'll be really interesting to watch a chess match between Spolstra and Vogel and and see how the Lakers counter that zone and if it's as effective for Miami as, um, as it has been in the past.
0: Yeah, so one thing I want to point out, about the zone. I didn't know that teams are using it that much. That's not just a bubble thing. That was like all season.
1: Yeah, it's still very very sparingly obviously, but yeah, I think it's becoming more common that teams are mixing it in.
0: Yeah. So, with the zone like and how they plan to use it versus the Lakers, they use a 2-3 zone versus the Celtics, which is just like two up top, three down low, like yeah. perimeter versus towards the baseline. Um, I don't expect to see that against the Lakers just based on personnel. Mm -hmm. What I do expect to see is what's called the diamond and one. Like we all saw the box and one in the playoffs against Steph Curry last year, which is you have one guy loose and then behind them like a 2-2 zone. So two guys towards the elbows, two guys down low. So like it's called a box because two by two makes a square. So the diamond and one is pretty similar It's like one guy loose on the perimeter getting whatever ball handler or star, Curry, LeBron James. And then instead of two and two, it's one, two, one. So you got a guy like at the top of the semicircle. You got two guys towards the elbow and then one guy at the rim. And I expect to see that more than the two, three zone just because LeBron James is a different animal than Kemba Walker.
1: Yeah, that, that probably um to your point that probably gives them a better chance of kind of setting up that kind of you know similar to that wall defense we saw against Giannis just to because you're gonna need um the problem with that that box and one is you don't have enough guys in my opinion to kind of um contain that those LeBron dribble drives um so I, I completely agree with you there uh and and to continue on uh, the defensive end for Miami, um, we had talked about it a little bit before we started recording. I, I think they're in a very, very interesting spot, and they have a lot of different routes they can go with how they want to attack LeBron how they want to attack AD. Uh, what do you think, outside of the zone, when they're playing more um, standard kind of man-to-man, Uh, what do you think that their strategy will be or, or should be?
0: So I think it's going to come down to like mixing the zone with man. So to a man question, I would say that the heat are as switchable as can be. Yeah. Like Bam Adebayo is the best defender in the world, but one way that the Lakers can solve Bam being so good is to use their centers. Like Cantor had success Enes Kanter for the Celtics last round because he was like such a true scoring at the rim type of center that he pulled Bam to the basket. Mm -hmm. So when Bam's just like sitting down low, he's like just functioning as a rim protector. So in terms of when the Lakers are playing man, I would expect them to try and get a lot of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee on there. But if Bam eats their lunch, then those guys aren't playing anymore. And we're gonna see ad at the five which yeah. i like like i like the bam and ad matchup but yeah i don't expect to see a lot of man obviously every team plays majority man so a lot is kind of relative yeah. but i think the zone is going to be the key to the series and like this is speculative eric spolster hasn't said this but based on what the heat like to do they might be the best zone team and they like zone because it can slow down the pace and the heat are the second best half court offense, according to uh, cleaning the glass. So I think that's more their game. So I would be surprised if we didn't see zone in game one.
1: One thing I'm interested in that I think a lot of people would think is kind of a clear answer, uh, but I'll explain why I think it's a little uh, more open ended than people might think is well will Will Anthony Davis's defensive matchup primarily be Bam out of bio, especially assuming the Lakers continue to start another big next Anthony Davis? Mm-hmm. Or will Miami throw like a Jay Crowder or someone smaller at Anthony Davis and rely on double teams when he gets in the post and just say, we're going we're gonna to keep Bam out of foul trouble? We're going to have him control the glass against a Dwight Howard or JaVale, and we're going to save him um, for when we need him to guard Anthony Davis, primarily down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, foul uh,
0: trouble is a good point. Like, they got Jokic in foul trouble, and they took the Nuggets out in five.
1: Yeah. And uh, to that point, like, D- Denver had a much, a much better, safer backup big situation than Miami did I mean mm-hmm. I, I, plus I mean I, I love Bam but uh and he's been unbelievable in this playoffs but I would still take Jokic you know if you're giving me the choice I think Jokic is the better player I'm more afraid of him oh, yeah, so definitely um it's because if Bam gets into foul trouble and you've got to throw Kelly Olynyk out there um and he has to guard Anthony Davis for any significant stretch of time then that's where I think you run into major, major problems.
0: Yeah. Like, I think with the chess moves, like, to your point, if Kelly O'Linick averages 20 a game, like, which is not even half the game, mm-hmm. if he averages 20 a game, or him and Miles Leonard, Myers Leonard combined to average 28 a game, like, that cannot happen in a heat win. Like, if those happened, you know that the Lakers got another ring. Yeah. So, I think that, With the chess moves, we're going to see a lot of, oh, this guy's coming in, let me get somebody off the bench. Like When you see Dwight Howard get up for Anthony Davis, like you're going to pull Bam out of the game, too. Mm -hmm. And that's something we saw in the Nuggets series a lot, is when Jokic came to the scorer's table to check in, Dwight Howard said, okay, he probably didn't even need to be told by Vogel, like, I'm getting up, I'm getting in, because that's the reason that I'm on this team right now, and that's my function, is to harass Jokic, make him follow me, get rebounds off of him, expend his energy. So I expect to see a lot of... As much as Eric Spolster humanly can throw Bam at AD, I think their minutes are going to align like almost 100%. Yeah.
1: uh, I I can definitely see that. And I I do think that that is, in general, what good coaches do. Um, It is really smart, especially if you have someone on your team that is, like, a lesser player compared to their player but just matches up with their player well, then that's the perfect way to do it, you know. Put them in when you need them to harass somebody, take them out right after, and and get in your other guys who um, might be a liability, you know, um, with the wrong matchup. So it's uh, – and, and also um, kind of continuing on that point – uh, the substitution patterns are going to be uh, supremely important in the series. Not that they're always important in the playoff series, but with the what is, in my opinion, just a stark, um, a drastic contrast in, in depth and talent between these two teams with the Lakers being very top-heavy and having two guys that they can absolutely trust in Miami having a lot of guys that they can trust, but maybe not like a star, um, how Vogel and Spolstra manage their rotations against each other, uh, really could be enough to swing a series. And, and I think coaching is going to have a major, major impact in, in this final series.
0: Yeah. Like I totally agree. And I think, It's not necessarily who blinks first. Like, say, somebody gets played off the floor, whether it be Kyle Kuzma or Rondo or Tyler Hero because he can't play defense. Like You have to react to that, and then that doesn't win you the series, but it puts you in the driver's seat because you're making moves and they're reacting. Like I was talking about with Dwight Howard getting up every time Jokic got up that's kind of like happening at the same time, like that's a punch meeting a punch. Mm -hmm. Where if you can prove that some guy doesn't belong on the floor, and the examples I gave like are kind of the most likely because they're one dimensional type of players, like that puts you on offense in the coaching battle. So I'm really interested to see who does that first versus who trusts their game more. Like for all we know Spolster can come out in game one and say "Oh, Linux, my guy, you're not going to stop us from shooting and we're going to outscore you the whole series. Like, I don't expect that in game one, but I'm interested to see who kind of gets crazy first and who they do it with.
1: And is it a matter of um, that coach forcing the other coach to, to make some adjustment that um, they weren't expecting? Or is it a matter of that coach panicking and overreacting to a, a rough game one or a rough first half. Um, so that'll be really interesting, especially with, like, you look at the Lakers. Um, I think most people would look at Miami as the team that would make have to make the coaching, you know, the drastic coaching changes because they're considered the underdog. But um, the Lakers all year, uh, there's been a big debate of they've been playing these two bigs together, Anthony Davis with Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis with JaVale McGee. Is that the smartest uh, way to go or not? Um, And I think actually the numbers in general have kind of backed up the two big man approach just from the sample sizes. Um, But also they haven't really given Anthony Davis at the five, LeBron at the four, um, or or any lineup like that as much of a chance as maybe most people thought they would. Um, So uh, do the Lakers – go small quickly do they stay big Um, and can Miami force their hand one way or the other
0: yeah like if Miami is hitting their shots Miami's the better offense like the Lakers have the two best players and two best offensive players but Miami takes more threes and hits them at a pretty ridiculous rate so you expect that to score more in general so Mm -hmm. the Lakers like might compromise that and say, okay, JaVale's not giving us anything on offense. And so if it comes down to outscoring the other team, I think it could go either way because the Lakers have the most reliable options, but the Heat have the highest ceiling option.
1: Uh, another thing that I thought could be very interesting to watch in this series is um, these are two teams that in the playoffs have uh, just kind of feasted on free throw attempts and they've just lived at the line. Um, Miami yeah. is second in the playoffs and free throw attempts behind Philly who got swept. So they had a, you know, much smaller sample size um, and Los Angeles is fourth. And the only other team they trail is the Mavs who lost in six. So they had a small sample size as well. So really Miami and the Lake and the Lakers have been the most impressive teams at, at getting to the line consistently and, and getting other teams in foul trouble. Um, and, you know, like we said, we already mentioned the Bam thing, the Anthony Davis thing. Um, either of those guys go out with foul trouble. Uh, that can, you know, definitely swing a game, which can swing a series. Um, and both teams are built to get to the line. You know, it's not a surprise. Between LeBron and AD and then Jimmy Butler is such a physical guy and Bam, uh, Which mm-hmm. whichever team can kind of win the graces of the of the referees and and beat the other team, if, if they can create a significant um, advantage at the free throw line, then uh, that's another thing that I think could, could put one of those two teams over the top.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we've seen Bam in much foul trouble the way Jokic has. And like we've talked about a little bit about foul trouble being important is I have no idea what to expect out mm-hmm. of it. Like Bam has not been in that much foul trouble. He only averaged like two and a half fouls in the regular season, mm-hmm. and he's only averaging three point one now, which is more, but his minutes went up too, and he's being asked to do more. Yeah.
1: and he's getting attacked. You know, he's yeah. They're trying to get him in foul trouble. He, he, yeah, and they're playing against better teams. He's such an impressive defender, man. Not not to yeah. cut you off, but just just between. The way you can protect the rim, the way you can switch on the perimeter and do both without um, without getting into foul trouble is is just so impressive to me.
0: Mm-hmm. So impressive to me. Yeah. And then it's like LeBron never fouls out. Like he's fouled out, I think, twice in his career, regular season and playoffs, which is something we won't get into right now, but it's actually <laughs> mind boggling yeah. with what with whatever explanations we want to put on that is not the point of the pod. But yeah, like you bring up a great point with the free throw attempts and it makes me see that Miami is shooting 8% better from the line than the Lakers. Like it's 82 versus 74. And then it also makes me think of turnovers where Miami is seventh in the playoffs and the Lakers are third to last behind two teams that only played one round that, It could come down to, like, the little things, like the Heat really take care of the ball. And I don't know off the top of my head which defense is better. Like, the Lakers definitely have better numbers, but the Heat probably have better personnel. So if the Heat, like, are more likely to force turnovers, like, it could come down to those margins, which I kind of think of as annoying, but that's kind of been the Heat's game is just, like, no superstar just playing pure, well-coached, disciplined basketball. And they've gotten way farther than anybody thought they would already. So it's hard to bet against them doing it again, Yeah, even though it's a new team. Yeah,
1: and I mean, that's how Miami's going to have to do it, right? I mean, uh, I I don't want to... put down Miami or anything uh, because obviously they had this amazing run and, and they've looked so good. And I think they're very capable of of beating the Lakers, but I do think that they're clearly the underdog and clearly the, the less talented team just in terms of, um, I mean, maybe overall they're more talented, but when you've got the two best players in the series, that's a a huge deal. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to do all the little things, Really well, and that's just the only chance that a a team that's built this way has against a team you know with a with a LeBron James on the other side um, and like I said, I think they definitely can they can do it uh, but it's going to be the little things the zone, free throws um, sh- making open threes you know forcing turnovers uh, staying out of foul trouble, not committing turnovers. Uh, They've got to be airtight across the board Um, like Mm -hmm. they have been all playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's so tough to do that against a LeBron James team. Like when I was making my notes and like thinking scheme wise about what would happen, almost every single thing I had was on Anthony Davis because no matter who you have, like LeBron's going to LeBron. Like, even when Iguodala won his finals MVP for guarding LeBron, like, LeBron went off mm-hmm. and led, like, every team and every stat. So, like, I think stopping AD is, I mean, I guess that's not, like, a X factor because he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that's what you key on is you make AD beat you because if you make LeBron beat you, it's LeBron and he will. He definitely yeah. will.
1: Uh so i i completely agree um and that's why i would like almost i'd almost commit more energy to stopping ad than lebron um mm-hmm. i almost take the approach of not like letting lebron get his necessarily um you still have to be aggressive with him and double him and um but i, I agree the focus to me should be how do we slow down ad not lebron because i i don't think that they're slowing down lebron uh, and at least you have a Jimmy Butler where you feel decent throwing him at him, and he can frustrate him maybe, yeah. and he's going to fight. You know, he's not going to try to get out of that assignment or anything. to conserve his energy. He's he's going to want that assignment. Um, so it, it it should be really interesting. And really interesting. It, you brought up X factors. Who who do you think like in terms of? Uh, We've been talking a lot in terms of X's and O's and and strategy, but uh, players for each team, Like, who do you think really needs to have a good series outside of LeBron, AD, Butler, uh, BAM for either the Lakers or Miami to pull this out? So we've talked about the little things and
0: the zone Mm -hmm. as being the heat's key to success. So the key to success for the zone, I would just go with that. It's going to be Jay Crowder. So drawing up the Diamond and one, put like as far as I saw it was you put Bam at the bottom of the diamond, Crowder at one of the wings, Dragage at the top, and the other wing will be Hero or Duncan Robinson, and then the and one is Jimmy, because fun stat that I saw from Second Spectrum yesterday. Since second Structum, second spectrum began tracking like matchup data, the second and third best defenders against LeBron have been Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler. They're only behind Draymond Green like of any defender in the NBA. And then the player with the most playoff possessions guarded against LeBron is Andre Guadala. Yeah. So like there's no LeBron stopper. That's not a thing. But they have the experience and they know what's going to work. And Spo coached LeBron for four yeah. years. So spo has got a good idea of how to stop him. So like I said, Jimmy will be the and one. But then Crowder's the other wing, usually the strong side wing, which depends on the game. LeBron likes to drive to his left a lot, but ultimately he's a right-handed player. And then you're going to use your Inguidala minutes to put Jimmy at the wing and let him get some rest back. And then Iguodala at the end one. So they're switching off, but Crowder all the time is going to be a helper on LeBron James. And he knows how to guard LeBron James. But I think Iguodala and Jimmy are going to do their thing. We've seen them do their thing against LeBron. That, that makes Crowder like the question mark and the swing factor is if those three guys combined to do to him what they did to Giannis, like, you probably have a pretty good chance of winning the series. Yeah,
1: definitely. And Miami's Miami's interesting, right? Because it's like you could really, because of the way the roster structured, uh, in terms of this question, you could you could go down the line and pick like six or seven names. I mean, because you have what you just said about a Jay Crowder or an Andre Gadala and the importance of them matching up and and making. Uh, their zone work and their and their defensive system work. You could also make the same argument for Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson or, or Goran Dragic, saying you know you're going to need to keep up. Don't get exposed. Well, that and yeah. offensively, you know you're going to need to keep up with LeBron and AD scoring and Jimmy and Bam probably aren't going to get it done. So um, alone, so you're going to need. I guess maybe not necessarily one of those guys to consistently play really well, but you're going to need one of the three to always have, you know, they've got to be at least taking turns, um, yeah. having great games. Um, I guess you could, I guess for me on Miami side, um, if I were to pick one and go the opposite direction, I'd probably go Dragic. Um He just seems like the most steady yeah. offensive force, and uh, I don't, I think he's going to be a tough matchup for L.A., um and uh in general i don't usually like doing these kind of like round number you know because it's it's kind of arbitrary this kind of prediction but to me like if if drogic isn't averaging at least 16 a game 15 a game over this finals i don't know how miami comes out of this um with a win because uh, i i just don't trust as much as I love Tyler Hero and I think this has been really fun, like I don't trust him and Duncan Robinson to be able to night in and night out um, put up the offensive games you need to kind of keep up with the Lakers. So I think you're going to need that third yeah. that third strike from from Goron at least as the guy you can rely on to to be consistent um yeah you think it'll only be 15 or
0: 16 points
1: uh no i don't but i think that's like the bottom end like i think it has to be at least like if dragic comes out of this finals averaging 12 like i don't see how miami wins yeah um i I,
0: yeah you can't project that easily see him with hero getting 25.
1: yeah like you said i could easily see him averaging like 25 uh in the series and then still losing uh but um and I, I actually do think if, if I had to make a prediction, uh he just seems like a big gamer to me and he's got some big time experience with between Eurobasket and uh he's never been in this kind of moment in his career before. Um that I think he's gonna show up big. I, I think he's gonna average over twenty um twenty a game in the series and, and provide some good playmaking. Um on on the Lakers end, is there is there anyone I think this is kind of a more interesting question. Is there anyone that jumps out to you that you think is kind of the X factor for LA? Um, so for a whole player, I was going to
0: say like AD's shooting, but I'll get into that later. Okay. Like as a whole player, I would say it's kind of the same thing. Like you talked about Dragic hero Robinson, like they need to step yeah. up the Lakers have a similar like no third yeah they're just all much worse
1: but it's like the same yeah
0: that's yeah there's been like a story of their season is like is Kuzma gonna get it done like we paid Danny Green all this money so probably Danny Green just because I expect him to step up like Danny Green's finals numbers are ridiculous Mm -hmm. like he consistently like shoots the lights out like is the best spacer best deep threat on the floor every time he's been to the finals he set the finals record for threes made like that's that was six years ago when teams shot about half the threes to 60% of the threes they do now and the Spurs don't like threes and that's only been broken once by Curry which like it's Steph Curry by one (laughs) Like, he barely touched Danny Green to show you how hot 2014-2013 Danny Green was. Unreal. So, I expect him to show up. And like I said, the Heat are such a good three-point shooting team that even if it doesn't fall on some nights, it's going to fall more than it doesn't. So, to keep up, like, the Lakers can't be such a poor three-shooting team or such a low-volume three-point shooting team. So, I expect Danny Green to get a... Big shot and to pay off, and I think if he doesn't, it really tightens the Lakers' whole offense.
1: And uh, as our uh, as our ex remate Daniel would uh, argue, he's from San Antonio, he's a Spurs fan. Uh, Danny Green, he he would argue that Danny Green is deserving of that 2014 Finals MVP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really done the deep dive in the numbers or the series to uh, mm-hmm. to back him up or not but uh comes comes down to eye yeah. test <laughs> i i wouldn't doubt
0: him <laughs> um like if danny green feels like the best player on the floor he probably mm-hmm. is so you got to give it to him i think <laughs> but yeah dude i heard spurs fans called him icy hot and lakers fans have been finding that out all season calling for him to get benched they said his best <laughs> i think it might have been his best game of the season was the first game of the season <laughs> But if he's if he's been icy for 81 games since the opener, like he gets hot in the finals. Which is
1: funny because KCP I think has been their their third best player to me um, all year, yeah. and uh, talk about a, a flip where it's like Danny Green had these high expectations, KCP had these low expectations. Danny Green comes out crushing it. Uh, KCP, I remember. I horrific he didn't look like an NBA yeah i player. don't even remember like i don't remember being i can't remember being so upset about a role player <laughs> yeah. playing in a game too, for a though. team i didn't like like I, he was so bad yeah. that i like I, I you didn't want him in I, the yeah, nba I hate the lakers <laughs> it's like this guy's hurting the and sport like he was ca- causing them to lose and i was like so upset with the lakers i was like just don't play him I was like, it's not that hard. I was like, pick up anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like call up Taylor Horton. <laughs> yeah. You know, Taylor Horton Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah. now it's it's like flipped. I, and Danny Green hasn't been that bad, but uh hasn't quite been what some Lakers fans were expecting, I guess.
0: Yeah, or worth twenty eight million quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. But so who who's your answer? Lakers uh, defense, Lakers offense?
1: Ooh. Um Maybe Rondell. Um Yeah. He's just been he's played very well His in the playoffs. He's shooting well. Um and he kinda like he does play well with LeBron. I mean it's it's hard to argue, like you can you can just see it. They have a comfortability together. Um and but he's also a guy where uh let's see, I had the numbers pulled up a second ago. Uh yeah, he's shooting in the playoffs from three, um, 45%. 45%. Yeah. It's only, you know, two and a half attempts, but that's insanely, insanely high. Um, and he has become a, a much better free throw shooter over the, or three point shooter over the years, but not, he's not that, obviously. So is he hitting shots? Is he, contributing to the offense in a positive way or um is he gonna fall into one of these funks where you see him in at at certain stages in a um in the past few seasons where he's kind of dribbling the ball to death, he's not hitting shots and um he's kind of killing the offensive momentum. Um so I think he's probably the big swing guy. You could throw Kuzma in there too. Um but I think at this point Rondo to me is the more important player for them, um, this series and just in general, um, for, you know, the entirety of the season.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Like with Rondo is, I think he's similar to Dwight Howard in the role that Dwight Howard has taken on this Mm -hmm. year. Rondo bounced. He played four for four different teams in four years. And I, technically five, if you want to count a couple games for the Mavs, (laughs) I won't get into that with you, but like he went one year in Sacramento, one year in Chicago, one year in New Orleans. And then the Lakers was his fourth team. Obviously it's been two years now. And then before that, like a partial season Dallas, partial season Boston. So it's clear that he was good and he puts up good numbers like the last time he was in the playoffs, he put up 10.3 and 12.2 assists. He had a 20-something assist game in the playoffs, but it didn't mesh, and teams were done with him in a year. Versus mm-hmm. now, he looks like Dwight Howard, who also bounced from team to team to yeah. team, and has played for like eight teams out of nowhere. All of a sudden, to Dwight Howard's like clearly found his role and is a huge positive impact every night in the playoffs. Yeah rondo like has accepted that exact same idea he says okay i know my game i'm never gonna try and dribble the air out of the ball i'm never gonna be above my head i'm never gonna try and put players on mixtapes i'm just gonna be like a pure point guard at the highest level and and we've seen him do that
1: and yeah you see it all i feel like you see it all the time with these kind of players in these kind of situations where um and i'm 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 one of the most guilty guys of it. I'm quick to jump on kind of older that that haven't had a good season in a few years and kind of say they're done and that it's silly that a team signs them. But when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron and that alone can be this amazing offense in your identity, then it makes it a lot easier for these veterans because they can come in and they can just focus on doing exactly what they're really good at, like you, like you said, and not be asked to do anything else. Um, and then instead of focusing on mentoring young guys and being this positive example, it's oh, we're just falling in line behind LeBron. Um, and that's also very important that you have LeBron, just from a respect standpoint of, uh, especially with a Rondo or a Dwight Howard, Rondo and Dwight, you know, Dwight Howard can. Can question or, or pout in Charlotte or Atlanta, but mm-hmm. it, you got to do what LeBron says, you know. And you you know what you're signing up for when you go. So I think you're going to have far less problems um, with those kind of locker room guys because there's going to be a clear, established hierarchy and structure. And and they also know, hey, I'm just I'm just in it to try to get another ring, you know, before I get out or get my first ring or whatever. Um and I'm gonna do what LeBron says and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my part to, to fill in for this team. Um whereas I think when they're not when you're not on a contender or with a guy like LeBron, some of these vats are more inclined to kinda mail it in or try to do stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing on a court anymore.
0: Yeah, like it's like how the Rockets take random dudes yes, like Ben Macklemore. That's exactly what I was and then turn them into huge Jeff contributors. Green, like, you
1: know, these guys that yeah. everyone else is done with. It's like, oh, well, when you tell me all I got to do take is this yeah, skill, do sit only in the this. corner and shoot yeah, threes. Yeah, like Bill Belichick will do. Um, that makes it real easy on me, mm-hmm.
0: you know. Yeah, like five teams in five years for Dwight, six teams in five years for Rondo. And out of nowhere, bam. Like, they're the Hall of Famers of their early career, like microcosm mm-hmm. like scaled down to just doing that one thing because Dwight just plays center straight up conventional Rondo plays point guard the way a textbook would do it and then nothing else you're gonna get huge stuff from yeah. it and teams like the clippers especially like look at that and say well I wish I had that that's a difference maker on a lot of teams
1: it's it's funny the way you phrase that because if you were to go back to you know, 2011 or 2010, when both these guys were still stars, and said and showed them and showed your you know past self then their numbers now and their roles and what kind of team they're on, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's about right on par. They must have had a good slow aging process. Uh,
0: Yeah, nice decline.
1: And but the you know the eight or nine years in (laughs) between have been. Anything but yeah, you would think you would think with Rondo and Howard being on that many teams in that many years, and with the stories that have come out of some of these locker rooms and and with some of their play in some of those seasons, that they wouldn't even be on teams anymore, and here they are, um, back on a contender, trying to get a ring, and they're two absolutely critical parts of this team
0: Yeah like that's so huge is just they'll never be that guy but they were once those guys which i think is better than someone who may be a little bit younger but never had that ceiling like rondo's an incredibly cerebral player like as good as anybody in the league he could be a coach whenever he wants and dwight's got all the experience there's nothing he hasn't seen like i think that's huge
1: especially against a miami team that has no one who's been there before.
0: Yeah. Jimmy knows the moments and Jimmy's going to work harder than anybody. But one thing to keep in mind with the heat and a reason I won't pick them to win is they've never been here before. Even LeBron lost his first time, right? Even KD lost his Mm -hmm. first time. Like you can be a great player and those guys are top 10, top 15 all time at worst. But it's really hard that first time.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Especially Um, when you got LeBron James on the you know, the other side.
0: Yeah, some dude who's done it ten times. Uh uh, so one uh, I was was
1: gonna say, I didn't know if you wanted to talk, uh, move on to kind of like legacy talk or not.
0: Legacy talk or not. Um what are we at time wise? Uh
1: forty three minutes.
0: We can we can break the fourth wall right here because we can just edit it out so do you think that 40 is good and we save legacy to be more thorough next time because it's already like game day
1: yeah maybe we do that so i kind of want to
0: i want to get a shorter pod out and get everybody listen to it when it matters before yeah let's
1: do that and it's like we focus all on x's and o's anyway that that could be like a cool separate thing it would make sense that's its own yeah pod um, yeah. And then we could kind of put more okay. thought into it and research other guys that kind of did yeah. stuff at similar ages and, um, yeah, because that'll be fine after a
0: game too. Yeah. I think, like we can put that one out in two days, yeah. and it won't matter as much or expire as uh, much.
1: For for this one, should we make our final picks and then wrap it and then call it?
0: Uh, yeah. I was gonna say. One more thing when we were talking about Rondo, okay. scheme-wise, and then close on that. We can, like, I'll say that, and then I'll say, like, time's running long or whatever. We'll make our picks and a Okay, hit. cool. Okay. okay. Um, all right, you want to get a clap back in? Uh, sure. Uh, sure. All right, uh, three, two, one, clap. Three? Oh, <laughs> oh okay.
1: <laughs> I was like, quick, three, two,
0: one. Yeah. Three, two, one. Yeah, so one more thing that I'll say about Rondo in the spirit of X's and O's is I agree that he's an X factor because when you look at taking away AD, which I said is a huge part, like almost more important than taking away LeBron because it's more feasible, is that the way AD was played in his last time being eliminated from the playoffs, which was against Golden State, In the second round was the way that they covered him was similar to a zone but they used a lot of help defense so what they did was they took draymond green and they matched him against whatever the pelicans weakest shooter was and that could have been rondo or Drew holiday and they would let draymond green give him basically the russell westbrook treatment of the lakers rocket series last round They just say, you can shoot all you want because my freedom on defense to move around and help is more important. So that's exactly what they did, is they let Draymond Green come and help and crash AD every time he drove. So if you're able to do that and get AD walled the way that you could wall Giannis is your best way to stop Mm -hmm. him. Like AD's jump shots have been unreal this playoffs. He's shooting 66.3 true shooting right now. More than half of his field goal attempts, 145 out of 261 in the playoffs, have been jumpers. Those are like totally unsustainable marks. That true shooting is 9% higher than his career average. But he's never been a threat to guard greater than 16 feet. Like You don't want him to knock it down. But the player he's been in the playoffs, I don't think, is suddenly the player he is. So his game is going to be driving. And so if you're going to cheat with the Russell Westbrook treatment like you're going to cheat off the Lakers' worst shooters, and that's Kuzma, and that's Caruso, and then the other one is Rondo. And I think Rondo, like we've both outlined, is going to be a bigger swing factor, bigger X factor, and probably play more crucial minutes. So if they're going to cheat off Rondo, Rondo has to make them pay, because if he doesn't, then AD is going to get walled off. But if you can't cheat off Rondo... Not only is AD getting better matchups and better shots, those better matchups and shots are being supplemented farther by Rondo's playmaking. Like not only is it a cleaner look, it's like a Hall of Fame point guard, multiple time assist champ, like helping out running the offense. So I don't expect Kuzma and Caruso to hit their shots because they're not as good as Rondo, who shot almost thirty-six from three over his last four full years. But like, I will totally agree with you that Rondo's a swing factor because as the point guard, it's more than just him. When he swings up, it helps the other four players a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's a that's a great point about his effect on AD specifically. I hadn't even really thought about it um, from that light, but that makes sense. And, and while they have shot it well in the playoffs, the Lakers, um, and I think they shot pretty well... Uh, I can't remember, I, I'm not looking at their regular season numbers, but uh, if Rondo isn't hitting shots, his open shots, like you said, then it's just one less weapon and they just don't have a lot. So, um, And each one just compounds so much more and has such a greater effect on AD and LeBron that uh, if Rondo's not hitting, or Caruso, or Kuzma, or all three, um, or KCP, then uh, mm. it really will start snowballing fast.
0: Yeah. Like the Russell Westbrook treatment, Like they're not as dependent on the three as the yeah. Rockets, obviously, for the Heat, I mean, because nobody can be that dependent. But we saw what happened when they left Russell Westbrook around the arc. He didn't hit those shots. Yeah. And it made it way easier to guard him driving to the rim. And Rondo is not near as good a driver as Russell Westbrook. Like, he's also less important to the Lakers than Russ is to the Rockets, but it's the similar thing. And like I said, it goes down the line to all your other players or Lou Dort. All the shots Lou Dort didn't hit. Like, the Lakers or the Heat would love for the various Lakers players to, to shoot the ball as poorly as Lou Dort. Yeah and like if that shuts down ad which it'll help him do like that can make it a totally different game
1: yeah definitely uh so who uh i think you said you're taking the lakers uh do do you are you settled on games or are you kind of torn uh i haven't like
0: i know it's game day but i haven't thought more than the lakers obviously i'm picking the lakers like i think i alluded to so i wouldn't pick the heat but i picked the lakers since the ad trade i thought the clippers were a year away and they're probably my 21 pick but i have never wavered on the lakers so obviously i'm gonna quadruple down or whatever on that but off the top of my head games i'll say six okay Because, I don't know, I mean, it's the most cowardly one. Like, four or five is like, oh, they got stopped. Seven is, is like, as close as it gets. I pick six so much more than any other number.
1: Probably 70% of the playoff series, I predict. It's always six. You know, it's always whatever team I like better than Uh, six. Um, This mm -hmm. time, I've got the Lakers in five. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think most of the games are going to be very competitive, though. Um, But I think. Just having LeBron, it's going to be... I expect close games where the Lakers just have, because of LeBron, a, a huge advantage in just closing out games. Yeah,
0: like the opposite of the Celtics, yeah. who choked a double-digit lead in at least six of their, what, eight playoff yeah, losses. and I just
1: don't think like, that's happening
0: with LeBron.
1: I just think he's going to be too yeah. steady, and even if he's not hitting shots, you know, making his field goals down the stretch. I think he's just – he's such a beast that he'll just get to the line and, like, that'll just be that.
0: Yeah, his gravity every single time he's on the ball, whether it's the three or the paint, like, you have to respect him so much. And he makes other players so much better. But, yeah, I like five. I think – I picked six, but I think it's closer to five than seven. Mm -hmm. So – I I don't know. You picked the same team as me, so obviously I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> um, I do think the Heat have a chance. And honestly, if the Heat win, I don't think it'll be in seven games. Like, if the Heat win, they just like they played the shit out of their game. Yeah. Like, they played Heat basketball. The Lakers, like, proved that they're no different than the teams that the Heat beat to get here. And that the Heat just get it done. I don't think the Heat would win a game seven. I against lebron james yeah, i
1: agree uh i think if the heat win it's gonna be five or six i would be pretty shocked that they yeah. s- they swept um but i wouldn't even even with picking the lakers in five like i wouldn't say that i would necessarily be like shocked if miami won in five
0: yeah like they could just prove that we're just doing it right and yeah. spolstra i think spolstra we'll talk about legacy more on a different pod but if Spolster wins this, he's a top ten coach, no doubt. Yeah. And like Spoelstra's obviously the coaching advantage, so maybe the Heat do shock mm-hmm. the world.
1: And, and just to just to clarify for the listeners, uh, he means top ten, like ever, obviously. Um, oh obviously. yeah, yeah. No, he's
0: top. He's top five on the planet, maybe top one on the planet yeah, right definitely. now. Definitely.
1: I just wanted to, because I could see people like hearing that yeah. and just being like,
0: he's definitely top ten. Yeah, like you yeah, no, I'm not trying to get that take yeah. the wrong way. I've been driving Spoe's bandwagon since LeBron was in South Beach. Love that guy. But yeah, any wrapping up points that you want to make? Something that can't wait until after game one?
1: Um not really. Uh I'm rooting for Miami. Uh I really like the team. Boo. Uh I'm also I just I love Goran Dragic. I just I got a soft spot for European players, I guess. Um, plus he's Slovenian, so uh, I'm pulling for him, and I hope they win, and I hope he wins Finals MVP. I think that'd be sick.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. I think this would be if the Heat won one of the most chaotic, like Finals outcomes of all time. Everybody would put an asterisk on this ball. Oh, definitely. Chip. I don't think there's going to be an asterisk if the Lakers win because we like yeah, they it were favored more and we or expected less an it. expectation which, I mean, good for LeBron, the security of knowing that he'll have a little bit better sleep at night if he loses. Yeah, he's got the out either way. (laughs) Because everybody's going to blame the bubble and not him a little bit. All right. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Bless (laughs) you. Um, ABC at 7.30 Central Time, which is my own time zone. Thank everybody so much for listening. Uh, For Ball Things Considered, I'm Michael Castello.
1: Uh, I'm uh, Sean Bush, still.
0: (laughs) And this has been the BTC pod. Thank you so much.
1: See ya.